0: Welcome to the HR Insider Podcast, where we interview some of today's top HR reps and human resource experts. It's time to elevate your human resource mindset. Today, I'm joined by Lee, who is an HR director at one of the nation's leading homeless services provider and uh Lee thanks so much for taking the time to join us
1: Well thank you. thanks you for the invite.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So Lee, uh I'm I'm sure working at a nonprofit and um working at a homeless service provider has a unique spin to it in the the realm of your profession and in human resources What do you feel like is the unique uh, giftedness and passion that you have um, that you bring to bear in your job right now? Herding
1: cats. (laughs) Um, One one of the biggest problems with with the homeless shelter is the fact that you have divergent groups. You have two constituent groups, one of them highly educated, um, usually masters in social work, very committed to what they're trying to provide uh, to those in a homeless situation. Uh, usually quite liberal in their outlook on life and uh, everything else. And then the other part is the uh, shelter administration staff. And so typically those are people who have, at one point, probably been homeless themselves. Uh, we, we pride ourselves in the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of times, other organizations will look at an employee and say, oh, you've had a felony conviction 23 years ago. We're going to hold it against you. Uh, but we'll hire them. You know, and we'll take a look at the conviction. We'll use the, uh, the green decision recommendations on how long has it been, what was the felony, or what was the conviction, um, how long since they've served it, what has their behavior been since they came out. And so I think you get a, a very passionate employee when you give somebody a chance that nobody else is willing to give them.
0: Wow, that's got to be extremely unique. So, what are what are some of the, um, what are some of the success success stories that you kind of see come out of that? Are Are there any that you can share without uh, sharing any personal information?
1: Sure, there, I, I've seen people who have gone from uh, a, a chronic homeless situation to employed. Uh, and, you know, one in particular I can really think of went from uh, a chronic homeless situation following post-traumatic stress disorder, and uh, we employed that person, and within three years, they were promoted into management. Uh, you know, so you take a look at the individual and what they have to offer and, and uh, give them an opportunity, and they're going to pay it back 99% of the time.
0: Wow. Okay, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. So. How, how long have you been at your current position uh, with the organization that you work with right now?
1: Just at three years.
0: Okay. So have you seen this repeated, this pattern kind of repeated over and over again?
1: Uh, well, and, and it's a hit or miss. I'm going to say that uh, you know it's a 50-50 proposition. You've got 50% of those who really are committed to making something of their life and realize the opportunity that they've been given and i mean they they work themselves to death in order to to uh show their appreciation there's the other 50 percent, and they're pretty much in the younger uh crowd uh that don't know yet the importance or significance of what they've been given and if they last 30 to 60 days you know then sometimes you have to worry that uh, that's been a miracle that they lasted that long
0: wow wow okay so so I'm just curious as to what's kind of the onboarding like for those, those individuals that you're talking about that have a, you know, I guess a less than ideal resume for most employers. How do you and your organization take on that sort of risk with uh, the special needs of the community that you serve?
1: Well, and of course there are some things, you know, that, that will automatically exclude you. Um, and you know there are certain things we have to consider. But I'm going to say the vast majority of the time, uh, we're going to bring a person in, we're going to uh, observe how they interact with those in a homeless condition. And so I think the key there is understanding human dignity and human respect. Uh, that just because somebody's down their luck does not mean you, you can degrade them or be disrespectful to them. So we're probably going to put them at the very first week at the front door. Uh, as a greeter coming in as we bring the people into the shelter. And uh, if they can survive that, if they can treat the people with dignity and respect, then we'll move them on to, uh, to other challenges. One of the challenges is what we call our resource desk. And at the resource desk, uh, basically there's every answer that a person in a homeless condition could uh, want to know. Where do I get shoes? Where do I get clothing? Where can I eat breakfast? Where can I spend the night? Uh, I need a blanket. I need a Social Security card. I need a bus pass to go to a job interview. So all those questions are on information pamphlets. So we're going to have the, uh, the new employee sit there for a week or two to understand and read and familiarize themselves with all the different services that are available to a person in a homeless condition. So now that we know that they can interact with the people effectively, and now that we've provided them with the, the answers to the vast majority of the questions now we release them and let them answer the the questions of those who uh, who have the questions
0: okay so i'm just i'm just curiously do you, do you hire those people because no one else comes in or do you hire those people because you feel like they're the best candidates I, I, how does that work because like you said i mean you you mentioned it in the beginning most people wouldn't wouldn't even consider hiring those individuals and it seems like that's a regular occurrence so so why is that
1: uh, part of it's a passion I I, I I have to be honest and say that part of it is also nobody else will hire them I mean I've got people in we're, we're downtown and uh, there are you know five-star hotels within walking distance of us uh, they pay their entry-level dishwashers $15 an hour and we don't pay that so uh... you know they they come here because they see something Uh, it's not the money i can guarantee you that Um, and and we have rejected some because of uh... recent uh... criminal activity uh... but i i think it's because maybe the stigma of dishwashing versus the stigma of helping others so that's the brand that we have is that uh... You know, I'm the person who helps those who normally can't be helped.
0: Wow, I love that. Okay, so I'm I'm just you know having only talked to you for a little bit, Lee. I'm just getting the sense of this this calling for you, if you will, uh, almost and a feeling like you have to do this certain cause to help people that have made mistakes in the past but are genuinely trying to make a difference in the present do you feel like that's something that other organizations can learn from you guys uh learn from the work that you're doing and maybe take some tips on how you're finding those good candidates who really do want to to make a change and make something different do you feel like that's something that other people can and should be doing
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, first off, when I when I do my new hire orientation, I tell them that my job is that I'm the caretaker of the caretakers. Uh, so they have to have somewhere to go. Just as those in a homeless condition are looking for our uh, other people to provide them with services, with emotional support, with uh, with uh, compassion and understanding. You know, where do the employees go when they need that? And so I'm the go-to person for that. So uh, I support the caregivers. I, uh, and uh, this morning, I had a guy who has had a, an unfortunate illness that resulted in an amputation. And uh, so he came into the office this morning. We're in the middle of open enrollment, and I said, "Wow, what are you doing here?" He says, "Well, I, I knew that you wanted this form filled out, so I came in to fill it out." I said, "I was going to, you know, uh, scan it and email it to you." He says, "No." He says, "You know, I've been in the workforce." Um, for pretty close to 40 years, and I have never had the level of care or the level of concern that I feel in this organization of the leadership towards me. So I wanted to pay that back by coming in and making your job a little bit easier so that we can both get what we need done. And I thought that was just, you know, one of the, one of those pinnacles of accomplishment when somebody says that uh, they're probably treated better here than they have been in 40 years in the workforce.
0: Wow. That's that's incredible. I love that. That's phenomenal. All right. So, so Lee, let's say that uh, I am an HR rep at uh, a company and we're wanting to do more of the kind of work that you're doing where we're finding people who may have had a criminal history previously. And we're wanting to begin to employ them. What are some steps? What are some practical things that we should be looking for in those people that qualify them and disqualify them? Because it seems like, uh, as you've kind of mentioned a little bit, you you guys have a very distinct process for how you evaluate and eliminate candidates who have that sort of background. So what would you recommend as as even a first step for a company and organization to go about moving in that direction?
1: Well, the very first thing you have to do is take critical assessment of your job and your job description. So ask yourself some of those critical questions. Will they be exposed to client data or, or personal information? Uh, is there an opportunity to uh, for, for uh, theft of either uh, financial theft of that client's uh, personal information or theft of information or Anything like that. Uh, another one is, you know, if we're dealing with a population that has an addiction, has this person been convicted of distributing drugs or alcohol? If you're dealing with uh, a population of, uh, uh, those who are highly susceptible to being abused, do you want somebody who has a criminal history of abusing people, whether that be elder abuse or, or, or child abuse or, or sexual abuse or anything like that? So try to match the job description, where the person is going to be going in your organization, to the different types of crimes that are out there. Uh, you know, When you get right down to it, other than the fact that the person is totally irresponsible, is there anything really wrong with the DWI? Uh, and uh, can you can you live with that in your organization then once you've determined once you've made that critical assessment of what does the job look like what are the exposures that they're going to have what are the most likely crimes that probably do not fit with this then you do your background investigation and uh, take a look at the individual when you get the background investigation back uh use the green decision and take a look at it. say what is the conviction was it truly a conviction or was it just an arrest? If it's an arrest, you know, a lot of people have had false accusations made against them. So look for the conviction. Uh, if it was, you know, one to three years ago, I probably would say that's, that's a red flag. Uh, if it's three to seven years ago, then you might want to take a, a very serious look at it, ask them, you know, have, take a look at their, their environment since the, the uh, fulfillment of whatever obligation they had. If it's more than seven to ten years ago, I mean, why are we even talking about it? Unless it's a, a directly related crime to uh, to what you're being exposed to. So, uh, but the other thing is, you can also take a look at it with with multitude. So, if they've had three or five crimes, uh, even misdemeanors, in the past three to five years, that does not bode well for an individual. They're on a they're on a bad track. What can you do to get them off that track? So what we'll do is we'll say, you know, we can't use you right now because of your criminal record. But if you can keep a clean record for a year, come back and we'll take a good look at you.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I, well, I, I love so much about what you're talking about, honestly, but one of the things that I love, honestly, Lee, is that it seems like you have answered the question in your actions as an organization that you believe that change is possible for an individual in a time and place where it seems like, especially with social media and uh, all of our wrongdoings uh, and all of our good things appearing all over the internet, it seems like you and the organization as a a whole have just taken on the stance that people can and do change. Do you think that that's uh, an accurate portrayal?
1: very accurate. I think that if we don't live that doctrine with our employees, then how can we expect our employees to show that same doctrine towards our clients?
0: Oh, man. (laughs) I love that. That's great. I love it. I love it. All right, Lee, I'm going to ask you just uh, quick rapid-fire questions um, about your professional life. So uh, these are just standard questions that we ask everyone that we have on the podcast. So the first one is, what is the best advice you've ever received in your professional career? Calm down, think it out. Calm down, think it out. So I'm, I'm assuming that that plays out really well in your uh, current environment and, and possibly in previous jobs?
1: Absolutely. Just just don't make any rash decisions. Um, you know, consider all the possible ramifications of whatever decision you're going to make. Yeah. Make the best choice. But you can't do that if you're going to do it in haste.
0: Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I think uh, that's one that I try and live out, and I, uh, I should really ask my staff if that's the case. <laughs> um, all right, Lee, what's, what's the best business uh, development book you've read lately? So one of the best professional development books you've read in the recent past?
1: Uh my favorite book is uh FYI, uh by Eichinger and Lohm and what is it uh anyhow it's the, the, the the they've come up they're out of the University of North Carolina came with sixty three competencies. And uh, uh they've done a really good job of sometimes we take a look at people and try to fix something. We say you're you're lacking in this, but really what it is is they're overusing another competency, and that masks their ability to, to shine at the mat, at the uh, competency we're trying to develop. So I really, really like that book, but it's really a, it's really a dictionary in a sense, it's or an encyclopedia. It's not something you read from back to front or front to back. Um, yeah, I, I really liked um, Seven Habits. But what I found as a business book was it was very good at identifying the problem, but it really wasn't that good at identifying the solution for the problem. It, w- it was kind of vague in actual steps to, uh, to correct the problem. So uh, I don't know. Gosh, there are so many. Um, I would say probably my favorite, favorite, favorite book is uh, Malcolm Knowles's The Adult Learner of Forgotten Species. A neglected species.
0: What's that one about? It, it's an
1: adult learning theory book. And uh, so when when you're trying to conduct training, there's there's several rules that Mr. Knowles, Dr. Knowles came up with. Uh, you know, uh, recency, basically. So you don't want to train people a year before they're going to use a skill. They, they want to be able to put it to use right afterwards. Uh, adult learners or andragogy Uh, learn better by discussing it amongst themselves rather than trying to be like pedagogy, which is where we sat in a chair and were told to memorize things. Uh, We just finished our mandatory annual training in in OSHA and it's an online test and we had a pretty high fail rate. I said, guys, you need need a group of you to sit down and take the test together. You need to sit down and and talk out the answers and, and, and come up with a decision on what the best answer is. Have one person pass and then replicate those answers through all the other tests. They said, no, that's cheating. I said, no, that's not cheating. That's adult learning. You guys, the whole process is I want you to remember what you're studying. And if you talk about it amongst yourselves and you rationalize, then you're going to remember the information, and that to me is more important than passing or failing the test.
0: Mm, that's great. I love that. I love that. Well, three books, and I'm all about those. I Okay, so I, I've, I've heard the FYI before. You're the second person to tell me that, so I'm going to have to go check that one out for myself now. <laughs> um, all right, that's great. That's great. All right, so uh, what are you currently spending too much time doing? In your job?
1: Oh wow! I think just administrative tasks. It limits my ability to be out on the floor, exposed, and and, uh, and and meeting with the employees.
0: Yeah. Well, that that works. That works with the second question that follows this one. That last one up is, what do you need to spend more time on? Uh,
1: just letting the employees know that there's somebody there supporting them. Um, I, I've started this thing, and now it's a tradition here. Uh, but I, I, and I actually started it with our chief custodian. And every morning when I came in, she'd still be in my office, and so I'd walk up to her and I'd rub elbows with her. And uh, she's not that good at English, but you know she says, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I have to start my day off by rubbing elbows with important people." And so now this thing, we, around here, we try not to shake hands because you never know what the other person has, uh, especially with the clientele. Um, but, we you know, so now we used to fist bump. Well, nobody fist bumps anymore. Everybody uh, rubs elbows. So that we're all rubbing elbows, acknowledging that the other person is an important person.
0: That's great. That's awesome. You've completely changed the culture to rub elbows instead of fist bump. That's amazing. <laughs> That's great. Um, Alright, so last question. What are you most excited about in the upcoming months in your position uh, at your organization?
1: Retirement. <laughs> <laughs> um- no I, I, I've, I've got a couple people coming back uh, from uh, FMLA and from STD and I've got one coming back from LTD uh, just reinvigorating them and getting them back into um, back into the organization um, uh, you know when I first got here uh, we didn't have a budget and so I said I, I need a budget of $25 a month and they said what for And I said for birthday cards and get well cards. And uh, I, was, I was disappointed to find out my predecessors had never given people birthday cards or get-well cards or uh, congratulations on your baby card or anything like that. So now we have a habit, and uh, I go around with the executive team, and every month uh, we get uh, birthday cards for all the people who have their birthdays that month, and we pass them out with, along with a cupcake and public recognition at our all-staff meeting. and. Uh, you know trying to try and change the culture where one of recognition and uh, that goes with that whole thing the whole theme we have towards our clients of uh, uh, respect and dignity
0: that's great I love that I love that well Lee I want to thank you again for joining us on the podcast you've given us some really great insights and I just want to thank you for the time and uh, thank you for the work that you've been doing well thank you sir Thank you.